0: episode 824 as the calendar turns to july and training camp starts at the end of the month we begin our position by position preview series with a look at the linebackers by coach ben club it's all coming up on railbird central next Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to RailBird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about the Packers defense and linebackers. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone. This is a pre-recorded interview on today's show. We talk with linebackers coach Ben Club about the team's, the Packers linebackers. He's got his own set of linebackers that he coach coaches. Uh, this is a key, key, uh, kind of a, a X's and O's heavy episode, and I think it's uh, fun to do one of those once in a while. So without further ado, enjoy our interview with Ben Club. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? Right now on Railbird Central, we're joined by Balco High School linebackers coach Ben Club. Mr. Club, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great, Brian. I,
1: it's good to be on here. I listen uh, to the podcast about every time it came out, so uh, it's good to finally be a part of this.
0: Well, I'm glad you could join us, and glad you're a fan of the show. Uh, you're Ben. You're a Packers fan. You're a high school linebackers coach. Um, uh, by all means, feel free to let our listeners know more about the details of your background.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, when I was uh, 14 years old, uh, my sister actually gave me a book uh, called The Wins, Losses, and Lessons. It was the uh, the autobiography of Lou Holtz. And, um, you know, I read that book like four times, four or five times. <laughs> and You know, as a 14-year-old, I'm like, you know what, that's, that's what I want to do with my life. I want to be a football. So, um, you know, I played high school football. I played linebacker. I played a uh, fullback as well. And you know, I'd like to think that I did well. Um, I played in a few All Star games, and I got a couple of the uh, college offers. But you know, playing college football to me really uh, didn't really appeal me well because it kind of turns into a job. And I looked at you know all these coaches. You know, guys who didn't play in college, like uh, you know, Mike Leach and and uh, guys like that. Um, Todd Haley, who was the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you know, I, I was never going to play on that next level, but you know, I knew by the time that I was, you know, before I was even eighteen, what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to coach football, and so I went to college with that mindset, and uh, I went to school at Oklahoma Panhandle State University. Uh, and, uh, you know, probably 98% of the listeners have no idea where that is. <laughs> but um, it, it's a small college town in uh, in the Oklahoma Panhandle. Um, our, our college town had about – the population of the town was probably about six or 700. But it was a Division II school, and um, we competed in the Lone Star Conference against teams like West Texas A&M of new mexico it's a very good conference um and when i was a junior i went on a visit to opsu and talked to the head coach and uh he told me you know said that he would love to have a student assistant coach and i was like well that's great i can work at the division two level be a student and work for this guy well when i was a senior in high school he got let go so that plan kind of fell through so the a freshman in college um I mean, I got my degree in business administration, so I always loved business. It kind of fascinated me. And uh, I went around to local high schools around uh, our university, just going to every high school, saying, hey, you know, can I work here? I'll work for free. Uh, I'll just be a volunteer. You don't have to pay me. So I, I just want to learn. Well, I eventually landed a job with the high school an hour away uh, from our university at Tyrone High School, which is about 10 miles from Kansas. It's an hour away, so I'm taking 18 hours' worth of classes. And every day after class, I'm driving an hour away, two hours round trip, five or six days a week, making (laughs) zero dollars. So I worked there for two years, uh, and I got sick and tired of driving, uh, you know, an hour every day, two hours round trip. And uh, I got in touch with some of my buddies who worked at a local high school uh, near our university, about 10 miles away. And this town had about maybe sixteen thousand, which again, to some of the listeners, they might think that's small. To me, it's it's a pretty good size because a lot of these towns in Oklahoma aren't you know too terribly big. Um, so I had some buddies who worked there, and uh, they decided they didn't want to coach anymore. And I asked them to give me in uh, touch with the head coach, and they said, "Yeah, sure." And uh, I got in touch with the head coach. This is a 5 a school, which is the second. Uh, this is a fifth largest um division in Oklahoma football um so we're playing teams in Oklahoma City and Lawton and uh these really big schools which was a step up from where I was because Tyrone had a you know it was an eight-man football program which is the smallest in Oklahoma so uh, I got hired on as the assistant inside linebackers coach and I was the JV and freshman defensive coordinator And uh, I worked there for a year and absolutely loved it. I loved the place and the school. uh, But my wife uh, got a job near my hometown where I graduated high school in Balco. And so I called up uh, my old head coach, and he's still coaching there. And I said, Coach, you know, know, we're, we're moving back to this area. You know, I'd love to have the opportunity to work with you. And so I met with them and, he gave me the job, and so I've been here for this past year. This will be my second year here. Uh, but, you know, the great part is I got a leg up, I think, you know, in my own mind, because I started coaching when I was 19 and learning hmm. from all these guys. And now I'm 20, I'm about to be 24 with five years of experience. Um, so I really love it. Uh, I love working with, uh, with the guys I do. Alco is another. It's a very small high school. I graduated from there with uh, seven kids in my class. <laughs> okay, just to kind of get an idea. And uh, but I love it. It's small town. I love small town football. Uh, you know, I love working here. And and as far as uh, you know, being a Packers fan, my earliest memory I, that I can remember being a Packers fan was in 1999, because I remember Ray Rhodes is still the head coach.
0: Yeah. Uh, who, I, who I
1: think should have been there a lot longer. Ray, I mean, he went 8-8, uh, but Ray Rhodes is a tremendous coach. Uh, but that, that's a whole other story. But um, I remember coming home one day from church, and, and we just sat down. It was the first time I watched the Packers game. And I remember John Madden and Pat Stonroll were doing the game. And, you know, when they do a Packers game, they talk about the history and the tradition and the great players and coaches. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just fell in love with it as – you know, I, I would have been, uh, six at the time, six or seven years old. And I just fell in love with the team ever since.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I think your story is not uncommon. Uh, one that, uh, resonates with me too. Uh, you know, somebody who enjoyed playing, co- uh, high school football, not good enough to play college, but, uh, uh still loved the game. And I admire that you're, uh, teaching America's youth and, uh, wish you the best of luck with that. And, uh, Kind of the impetus for this interview today, Ben, is uh, you, you know you recently did a Q and A with the website Last Word on Sports, examining the Packers defense and its shortcomings. Can you just, in general, uh, what what were some of the t- major takeaways from that article?
1: Yeah, uh, well, one of the big things that I really kind of want to emphasize was um, you know throughout the off season, and even in season. You know, I, I run into fans all the time, constantly, who,
0: you know, are, are very
1: uh, anti-Dom Capers, if you will. And uh, you know, I, I watch the film because I, I, you know, I watch all NFL film that I can, and especially on the thirty-four because that's the defense that we run, and then, or an eight-man we run a thirty-two, which is equivalent to thirty-four. Mm-hmm. What I really wanted to emphasize was how lucky the Packers are to have Dom Capers. I think. That Dom Capers is, is the best defensive coordinator in the National Football League. Uh, you know, if you you can't just get tunnel vision and look at numbers and say, "Well, we were ranked this in pass defense, we were ranked this in run defense, or you know, we give X amount of yards a game or X amount of passing yards a game." Uh, there's a lot more that goes into it. Uh, I think, than most of us will see. Um, you know, I remember coaching a, a, a JV game once. And, uh, you know, I gave up 50, 56 points. <laughs> okay, so – but what people don't realize is, you know, if you have six starters gone, or you have so many people hurt, you have a little depth. I mean, I know it's different in the National Football League because they can go out and get these guys. Uh, but a lot of the time, depth and things like that really factor in, which we kind of saw in the NFC Championship game this year.
0: Uh, it's hard.
1: And, you know, you can put in the, your, the best system – that there is, and you can coach them up as hard as you can coach them up, Uh, but there comes to a point where that player, that individual, has to flip the switch and get the job done. Now, you know, it's hard for me to criticize anybody playing in the NFL because they are the the best athletes in the world. Uh, But, you know, maybe some guys, I don't think, I think they just didn't flip the switch in that game. Um, But when I look at his defense, uh, I think it's one of the best systems in the league, and, and that's kind of what we talked about a lot. And that's kind of what I really wanted to get across uh, in the interview. And you know, I I like to look more uh, more so at the, at the scheme as opposed to just
0: personnel or,
1: or different players. Um, and when you look at Green Bay's 34, you know, it's it's a lot different than like uh, in Oakland or New England, where those are very more uh, a lot more open a lot more uh, different looks. Or, uh, you know, Wade Phillips, he, he has a great 34 that he runs out in Los Angeles. Um, I, I just fell in love with Capers' scheme and and, and what he calls defensively. Um, you know, we see a variety of different fronts and, and coverages mixed behind it. Uh, and, you know, for fans to sit there and say this guy deserves to lose his job, really, I mean, it kind of – it kind of got on me a little bit because, you know, even though this guy works in the the National Football League, he, he's with the best of the best. You know, he didn't get there by accident. You know, you know what I mean. He he earned that. Um, what he did in Carolina kind of speaks for itself. Taking an expansion team to to a championship game. I mean, that's amazing. Which I'm glad he lost. <laughs> uh, which put the Packers in Super Bowl thirty one, but. Um, you know, if I could have a, a hint of the success that he has had in his coaching career, I would consider my, my career very successful. Um, his, And I think I said this in that interview, that his attention to detail is is amazing. You know, I read somewhere that Dom Capers documents every uh, hour of every day, like six months in advance. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. Uh, you know, this guy's on top of his stuff he, I think he's the best assistant coach, uh, that a team could have. Uh, one of the other things that we, that we also talked about was personnel and, um, and kind of the linebackers as a whole, because, um, you know, we talked about depth and, and different things like that. And, you know, where guys fit in and the nickel and dime situation. And, um, you know, I thought it, it was, it was real fun. I've never done an interview before. Uh, so it was pretty cool to kind of get my ideas out there and, they did a great job, and uh, we
0: had a lot of fun and yeah we're going to get into the personnel right now, uh, seeing as you're a linebackers coach we're kind of beginning a series here, uh, position by position leading up to training camp here during the off season. no better time to do it uh, so uh, I mean let's just talk about some of the guys here one by one uh ben uh, you know let's let's start with the outside linebackers and Nick Perry. You know, what What are the odds we see a regression by Nick Perry back to what he was providing prior to last season when he played so well?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I, yeah, I think Nick Perry, again, uh, is another one of those phenomenal athletes. Um, you know, and, and with some of these guys, injury has really kind of plagued them uh, throughout their career. Uh, I, you know, I see a lot of good things out of – very uh one thing uh you know regardless if they're in a base uh defense which uh caper Dom Caper's base is uh, what he calls an Eagle front. Uh so you you know you have your three down you have three guys with their hands in the dirt, three true defensive linemen, your four linebackers, two safeties and two corners. Um where your your nose is in a shade technique or he's shaded to one to the strong side of the center, and then you go off a closed, uh, closed or open side, which means if there's a tight end, that's the closed side. If there's not, that's the open side. So the shade and a five technique, which is the outside shade of the tackle, will be the strength and then a three and a five backside with your end. Um, and then your two linebackers. Now the, the difference uh, really between kind of Dom Capers, C4, and then uh, maybe like a Wade Phillips, Those linebackers, he's really committed to playing those linebackers in the box and not putting them on a number two and number three receiver. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, So we don't
1: see him in coverage a whole lot, which helps. Uh, So if he's playing that wide nine look, which is outside the tight end, uh, Nick Perry does a phenomenal job of really jamming that tight end up and not releasing him off the line of scrimmage and playing force. Now the thing with with, – Green Bay three four is they're wanting to force everything back inside, uh, as opposed to if you look at like a four three, uh, particularly the you know a guy like Lovey Smith when he was in Chicago or or Tampa. Uh, what they want to do is implement what he calls a skill technique, which he, uh, you know, if, if you get a trap or a counter coming your way that pull on guard, he is going to what they call wrong arm it, and they're going to go inside of the pulling man or the tackle and force that play to bounce toward the sideline and kind of string it out where the linebackers can have alleys to run there. Uh, in this defense, however, they're wanting to keep the outside shoulder free and force it back inside of their inside guys. And Nick Perry does a great, great, great job uh, forcing that play back inside. He doesn't get too far upfield. Uh, I, I think his chances of of having a a pretty good year or pretty high this year
0: i think packer fans would certainly hope so and yeah i mean the way nick perry plays the run is certainly remarkable and i think he's gotten better with it at age obviously uh clay matthews uh ben how, how can the packers balance playing matthews at outside linebacker on the line of scrimmage but still keep him healthy while battling in the trenches it seems like that's kind of been a sticking point for him yeah, you yeah, know, absolutely. And, uh, you know,
1: I like Clay Matthews, um, but sometimes it's kind of a headache where, you know, he, he's getting banged up, like he said, week after week it seems. And, you know, it's hard because, you know, like I said, those outside linebackers really are, he com- really commits to playing inside the box and has really run down. Um, you know, it's hard, it's, it's hard. Really, in this day and age where athletes are so good, uh, especially in the NFL, to kind of keep guys healthy, uh, you know, when he's facing a 350-pound tackle uh, week after week after week, and, you know, he, he's coming off that edge hard, uh, it, it, it's, it's difficult, really, to find a way to keep these guys healthy. Uh, I, I know that they do a great job in the offseason uh, with, you know, flexibility training and strength training. And Matthews is, uh, I think, one of the best in the National Football League at uh, really exemplifying what it means to, to be healthy uh, as far as keeping his body in shape, um, as far as staying healthy wise, not, you know, playing in games, not, you know, it's been now, it's kind of another question there. But um, they really like to bring him off the edge, you know, a lot. And, you know, the thing about the 3 4, though, is that with these outside linebackers, half the time they're coming off the edge and then half the time they're dropping into cover. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, 4-3 coaches will tell you they love the 4-3 because they can release their front four to focus on one job and that, threatening the passer, playing, you know, gap defense, uh, playing the run. They can release those front four guys. And they always have these same four guys rushing every single time. Uh, and in practice also, you don't have to devote periods to where uh, you're, you have to teach your defensive linemen to drop in the coverage or what to read. And, and you know, who they're reading, uh, you know, they're just they're turning them loose and they're getting them after the patcher and, and letting their secondary do their thing, um, which is one of the advantages of the 4-3. But with the 34, you know, half the time, like I said, they're sending Matthews off the edge, half the time he has to drop in coverage. Uh, a lot of the time, they bring four, a four-man rise with, like we talked about earlier, Perry coming off one edge and Matthews on the other side is dropping into coverage, uh, playing usually a, a hook curl. He has a seam. If it's a if it's a trip formation or a three by one, he'll play the seam of the number three guy, and then and then gets your safety to, to play the flat. Uh, you know, mostly it's not difficult, but uh, you really have to adjust the sets and things like that. But um, Really, a lot of the uh, being healthy and uh, things like that kind of comes to me, it comes to me off season. And I think he'll do well. Uh, He's a tough guy. Uh, Like I said, these guys don't get to to this level by accident. He's going to play as hard as he can. Um, So I'm expecting pretty good things out of him
0: you bring up a good point I mean when you're dropping in coverage you're not going up against those 350 pound guys that helps uh in that regard as far as staying healthy uh we talked about some of the veterans now some of the young guys here you know Ben what can we realistically expect from Vince Beagle the rookie from Wisconsin knowing his injury history and how much time he missed during the offseason program
1: yeah you know uh I think early on and i I saw this a lot on Twitter. This guy's almost fan favorite already <laughs> uh, up there in Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, I watched a little bit of, uh, of the Big Ten this year, and which is difficult because a lot of times we have coaches meetings on Saturdays, so I don't get to see a whole lot of college football. Uh, but from what I saw uh, from him, I, I think that he could be a, a, a really good player, uh, I think, You know, like a lot of these other linebackers, he does play the run extremely well. Uh, What helps with him and his defense is he's only responsible for one gap. Uh, What we talked about, you know, earlier in a base front and an eagle front, he'll he'll be responsible for that play side B gap if he reads flow coming his way. Uh, If the play is away, he's got the backside A gap. Now, when it comes to playing in the nickel and stuff like that, it changes a little bit. Because you take out one extra, you know, lineman, which leaves another gap open, which the safety would be responsible for. But it helps that uh, you know he can read quick and get to the and just be responsible for his gap and what he's taking care of. Um, as far as injury and things like that go, uh, it was pretty disheartening to see uh, when they went into OTAs and, and he got banged up. I was already worried because I'm like, well, you know, here we go again, 2016 all over again. Who's going to get hurt first? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you know, the ability that these guys have now, and especially where football is at now, where these guys can bounce back so quickly as opposed to 20 years ago, where it would take them a lot longer to recover. Um, we see a whole lot more guys be able to get back to playing football. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that'll affect them too much. Uh, you know, again, the injury this offseason uh, wasn't severe. Uh, I really liked him in Wisconsin, and I know a lot of Packer fans love these Wisconsin guys, which is good to see. Uh, you know, kind of down here where we're at in Oklahoma. You know, unfortunately, I'm surrounded by Dallas Cowboy fans, a lot of Cowboy fans, uh, and they always love it when people from Oklahoma or Oklahoma State uh, or in around the Dallas area will go. Play for the Cowboys, so I kind of understand, you know, understand that uh, aspect of it, which is cool to see. Uh, But I'm expecting him to do well, and and he's got some pretty good guys, and he has a a very good position coach uh, to learn it all from.
0: Yeah, and if there's a silver lining, I suppose getting injured in April is better getting better than getting injured in September and then missing the regular season. So um uh, transitioning from outside to inside linebackers ben if you had to guess how much are we going to see both jake ryan and blake martinez on the field at the same time you know they they run the 3-4 defense but the packers really aren't in the 3-4 all that often
1: right right and uh you know offensive personnel really kind of dictates a lot of that Um, uh, you know when when uh, I, I've read the Dom Capers playbook before, I think. I don't can't remember where we saw it at. Um, I think a, a coaching friend of mine had or bought it from a, a program or something like that. It's um, a an old, pretty old playbook from when he was in Carolina. And, uh, you know, a lot of their sets were set up uh, against 21 personnel, which is two backs and one tight end. That was in 1997. Uh, in 2017, we see a lot of three and four receiver sets on first and second down. Uh, so about 80% of the time you have to play in the nickel. Um, so, you know, against those two-by-two two sets or the three-by-one sets or even the five-wide sets, which, uh, you know, these spread teams like Seattle, San Francisco, uh, you know, the Jets, uh, they, they kind of play in a wide-open system, a spread system uh, where the nickel or dime personnel has to be on the field to counter these three- and four-wide receiver sets. Uh, against a team like Minnesota, um, the Giants, a lot of these run-heavy teams, we'll see more base in there. Um, so you know, like you said, they're not in that, in their base package a whole lot. Maybe you know, twenty percent of the time, um, and, and you get a good mix of people on the field. Uh, it, it looks almost like more like a four-two-five where you see in the college level, but you know, you hardly ever see the professional level. Um, it's kind of what you can really relate it to. Uh, I, I would love to see both these guys on the field at the same time because I love both Martinez and, and Jake Ryan. Uh, Blake Martinez, you know, in my opinion, is going to be a, a standout linebacker. Uh, he is, uh, to me, more of a strong side, inside guy, what they call Mac linebacker. Uh, he, he's very physical, coming downhill, playing the run, playing that strong side B gap. In that nickel uh, set, you know, you'll see about three or four different fronts uh, ranging from like a twenty, what I call a 22 front, where you have your tackle uh, and your nose lined up, head up on that guard, and they'll be planning either, uh, you know, to the strength or away or, and things like that, depending if you're bringing a stun or not. Uh, you know, to be on an over and an under front, which, re, you know, over the three techs, the strong side, unders, the... Uh, your shade is strong. Your one tech is strong. And they're playing a thirty-three, what I call flex front, where both the tackle and the nose are in the three tag. Uh, and we saw, I saw that a lot, uh, especially against uh, I think with was Seattle, uh, where they're just kind, of, they're, they're angling in, they're they're pinning their ears back, and they're and they're rushing the pass, um, which changes gap responsibility for both these guys. Jake Ryan to me is more of a weak side inside linebacker. Uh, or what they call a buck, or a deck, or whatever you want to call it. You know, there's terminolo- everyone has different terminologies. <laughs> um, he, to me, is, is better at dropping into space, uh, dropping to that hook curl spot if they're playing a cover three, if they're playing more of a cover two look, which I really don't see a whole lot of cover two from, from Capers. Uh, but it, he does, I would say he runs an about 10 percent of the time, which I guess I don't blame him because... You know it's very susceptible to those vertical routes that you see from those spread teams. Uh, kind of when you're looking at an offense, you really want to think of the worst possible scenario to happen. Uh, so if you got a two by two set and all four guys go vertical, you know what are you going to do? So so you kind of think out all those scenarios. So if you turn to cover two, uh, you would suffer severely uh, because that linebacker, that nickel, and everyone has to go vertical, and then you're susceptible to underneath route. Um, so he plays more of a three-deep look, which your flats are a little vulnerable. Uh, so we see Ryan and Martinez uh, dropping that hook curl spot if he's not bringing one of them. Which I saying, Martinez is, uh, if I had to pick out of the two, Blake Martinez I think is a better pass rusher than Jake Ryan. Um, so I, I would consider Ryan more of your weak side guy. Uh, he's that whole player in that cover two, which he, he's got the deep uh, metal of the field, basically. Um, you know, they play cover four, where he's dropping also as a hook, curl, or seam flat defender. Um, I, don't, I don't see him stun a whole lot. I would like to see these guys on the field together more because I think they could be a, a, a deadly combination. Uh, I was a big fan of A.J. Hawk, uh when he was in Green Bay, a, a guy who can, you see, can play. A, you know four three and a three uh, four. I was, I was really upset when they let him go. I thought I really thought they should have signed him in the offseason. some people a lot of people would probably disagree but you um, know I really like the guy and that's kind of who Blake Martinez reminds me of is a lot of AJ Hawks. Uh, so I, I'm pretty optimistic about uh, the future of the inside linebacker position and especially these two guys I would like to see him in Green Bay for quite a while.
0: They might be. Uh, We're running out of time here, Ben, but we packed a lot of X's and O's talk in here uh, in in the time we had it, which is great. And uh, really appreciate you coming on the show today, taking a little bit of time here uh, during a weekend to talk to us. And uh, wish you all the best of luck at Balco High School this upcoming season. All right? All right. I appreciate it, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Once again, thanks to Ben Club for being our guest on Monday's edition of Railbird Central. Thanks to him for joining us. Thanks to you the listener for joining us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you Vince in our Packers news segment. Perhaps the biggest news since our last episode of Railbird Central was that former Packers tight end Mitchell Henry passed away this past Friday. Uh, He passed away after a battle with leukemia, which is hard to believe because less than a year ago, he was on the roster of the Green Bay Packers. And it's sad to see how someone can fade so fast and how a disease can basically take that away from somebody. Um, and their potential, uh, it was not that long ago, uh, perhaps one of the, the, the highest moments of his professional career, uh, which wasn't really in football, but just less than a year ago, uh, Mitchell Henry took part in the Jordy Nelson celebrity charity softball game, that annual event that, you know, we talked about not too long ago and had won the, uh, the, the team's home run derby. And you know, by doing that you you could just see, you know, how good of an athlete he was, uh, albeit not on the football field. But I mean still, uh I don't care if you if you're hitting home runs over the fence of uh at Fox City's stadium, um it, you know, you you are a pretty good athlete all around. And uh I know at one point I was cheering for Mitchell Henry to make the Packers roster and he was on their practice squad. And, you know, he was at one point claimed off waivers from the Packers and, and played in a couple games with the Broncos uh, during the regular season and, and fulfilled his dream of playing in the NFL and eventually came back to the Packers um, and was on their practice squad for all of the 20 or the remainder, I should say, of the 2015 season, came into training camp and battled some injuries along the way and was and eventually forced onto injured reserve. Um... But, yeah, uh, it's sad because Mitchell Henry, in fact, was a former guest on this show. Um, And uh, just kind of to honor his memory, just going to play a a brief clip from uh, the time we had Mitchell Henry on the show. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We'll take a brief look back at the induction ceremony of Brett Favre. And we're looking forward to Packers training camp starting in a little over a week. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone this morning. Expert interview. We have Packers rookie tight end Mitchell Henry. Mitchell, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you? Very good. We're glad you could join us on the show. Um, was, was Brett Favre's induction into the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame on your radar at all? Had you heard about that?
2: Uh, I saw some, uh, you things about it on, uh, social media and stuff, but, um, I think I heard about it a little bit yesterday.
0: Okay. So I, 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 I assuming you're though. not, you're not in green Bay or are you back home kind of preparing for no. training camp?
2: Yeah, I'm back home right now. Um, you know, training, uh, lifting, working out, you know, staying in shape. Um, and I'll be back up there the 28th.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Uh, how did the off-season program go for you, though? Mini camp, OTAs, and what what did you learn during that time period with the Packers?
2: Uh, I think it went really well. It was definitely um, you know something I needed. Uh, you know to catch some you know eyes of the coaches, and you know to get a step ahead. And I think I really did that. Uh, you know, I learned the playbook really well, got it down, and yeah, I think that was the biggest key of that you know time period just a. You know, get all the playbook down until you have a lot more confidence going into training camp. You're not, you know, thinking as much and, you know, you're able to just play and not think. And I think that was the biggest key of it all.
0: Former Packers tight end Mitchell Henry passing away uh, due to leukemia. Uh, The Packers and general manager Ted Thompson released a statement on Henry's passing. Quote, we were very sad to learn of the passing of Mitchell Henry during his time with the Packers. He quickly became a beloved member of our family and made a terrific impression on everyone in our organization. We were fortunate to have have had him in our lives. On behalf of the Packers family, we offer our condolences to Mitchell's wife Madison and his family and friends. End quote. Uh, Let me just echo those sentiments as it's sad to uh, part ways with a... Former Packers player and one who was on the roster not long ago and one who was a guest on this show not long ago, uh, RIP Mitchell Henry. Um, And that leads us to the day ahead. uh, Not a whole lot going on in the Packers and the NFL calendar as a whole. Like I say, this is the deadest time of year uh, during Independence Day uh, when not just players are taking vacation but coaches and front office executives and media covering the league and the public relations staff for teams. uh, There's probably less content put out uh, around the 4th of July than there is any other time of year as everybody just kind of enjoys their holiday, enjoys the summer before the grind is about to begin. And we'll get more into that. And in fact, Uh, This will be uh, our last episode until Friday this week of RailBird Central. I myself am going to take just a brief little uh, vacation on Wednesday, uh, which happens to be the day after the 4th of July. Maybe I'll be hungover. Um, (laughs) So I'm not planning on having an episode On Wednesday and we'll be back again on Friday talking some Packers football we'll continue our position by position preview series leading up to training camp Uh, so excited to do that then on Friday so enjoy your uh, Independence Day folks Uh, have a very good time and we'll talk to you just a few more days from now Thanks to Ben Club for being our guest on the show today. And um, on behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, we'll talk to you later, folks. Uh, I leave you today with a song called Break, Build, Burn by Lotus on Psy Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go Pack Go!